Okay, it's uh, Dr. Wolf, and I am back once again to uh, talk about some esoteric pathology concepts. However, this week we are going to talk about Bob Saget, right? So when I entered medical school and residency and all that, I never pictured myself like 15 years later doing a podcast about the guy from Full House. But apparently, uh, this is the most important thing um, that has ever occurred in the history of humanity. Now, uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, you're probably thinking, oh, this guy, he's going to be real combative and he's going to try to dunk on everyone. No, that's that's actually not true. Um, there, I guess I'm just exhausted with the conspiracies, okay? However... I, in this case, it's a little bit different because I have actually had a number of people who are well-educated. Some are physicians. Some are pathologists that are non-forensic. Others are people I know that are absolutely sane and believe in no conspiracies, and they think it looks suspicious. And so when I see that people, not just the, the, the part of the public that gets their information from, you know, crazy sources online, but like actual, you know, well-thought, well-educated and, and you know, clear-thinking people don't understand um, what's happening with this case. So it's a little bit um, a challenge for me, right? Because I feel like the problem that I'm running into in this situation is that if you are outside of the field of forensic pathology, you really don't see this type of injury complex, okay? And what do I mean by an injury complex? I mean a single event which produces multiple uh, described injuries. So in this case, um, we got the case of Bob Saget, right? He's in his hotel room and he's found dead. And I even did some videos on this and I um, hypothesized that the cause of death would in fact probably be related to the heart. I mean, just statistically, it's going to be related to the heart. Uh, however, that didn't turn out to be the case. The cause of death was basically blunt force head trauma. So now we have to uh, figure out how that happened. And for me, when I heard the description of the injuries, it just all clicked perfectly because, you know, I've studied this. I've read every book on the matter. Uh, you, I've, you know, this is something we learn in the first month of residency. Uh, sorry, not residency, but fellowship and forensics. And so um, I kind of thought, well, you know, I'll make a couple of videos and it'll obviously answer the questions. And uh, actually, that's not been the case. So um, let me just say, I had somebody um, email me on, uh, not email me, but direct message me on Instagram. And her name is Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. She sent me uh, what looks like a screenshot of the autopsy report. And uh, autopsy report is, and it looks legit because it actually looks really similar to one of my autopsy reports and the date matches and everything seems to match perfectly with this. So I actually believe that this is the first page of the autopsy report. I didn't unfortunately get the rest of the autopsy report, but 
you know, it says decedent Robert Saget. So Bob, of course, is short for Robert. I'm sure that some of the conspiracy folks are going to say that, you know, this is uh, Robert Saget or something, and this isn't the same guy. Um, no, this this is Bob Saget's. Uh, and so what they have is they have the the name, and, you know, they talk about the manner of death as an accident, and then they uh, say cause of death, blunt force head trauma, and then they go into the autopsy findings. So I'm going to read these, but I want you to bear with me, okay? Because as soon as I read them, I'm going to explain what all this means. So it says autopsy findings, blunt force injuries of the head, abrasion of posterior scalp, subgaleal hemorrhage underlying the abrasion of the posterior scalp, linear fracture of the base of the skull involving right occipital bone and right temporal bone, comminuted fractures of the roofs of the orbits involving bilateral frontal bone, bilateral partial periorbital ecchymoses, subdural hematoma, right greater than left, and subarachnoid hemorrhage, and then finally, contracoup contusions involving the bilateral frontal lobes and bilateral temporal lobes. Okay, so if you count all that up, that's eight separate described injuries. And I think this is where it starts to come off the rails for people who aren't in this field. Uh, you see eight separately described injuries and you think, oh, well, that's, that's eight separate injuries. That's eight blows to the head, clearly. Uh, no, this is what's called an injury complex, which means, again, there is a single event, which then results in multiple uh, uh, pathologic abnormalities of the structures involved. So I'm going to break this down real quick, okay? And then we're going to talk a little bit about it. Abrasion to the posterior scalp means that there was an impact with the posterior scalp, and that could be uh, a fall that could be, uh, you know, I'm not talking about Saget now. I'm talking about this could be a fall. This could be a hit in the back of the head with uh, an object, uh, something like that. So there's an abrasion. It's a scrape. Then it says subgaleal hemorrhage underlying the abrasion. And that's to be expected because um, the galea is actually a very thin layer of connective tissue that it sits on top of the skull. So if you impact any area of the skull hard enough to produce a bruise, you're going to produce um, a subgaleal. So those things are those two are actually related. I mean, they're the same process. And then it says linear fracture of the base of the skull involving right occipital and right temporal bone. So a linear um, skull fracture. Okay, so now remember, we have an impact to the back of the head, and from there, the fracture um, extends on the right back of the head. If you feel the back of the head, sometimes you can feel a little bump. That's called the occiput. occiput. And, uh, the you know, a linear fracture is exactly what it sounds like. It's like a line. Okay? And so the impact to the back of the head then produces a, a linear fracture. And now this is the part where you, you have to um, understand about how the brain exists in the skull. So the next one is comminuted fractures of the roofs of the orbits in, involving the bilateral frontal bone. Okay, so the frontal bone, now if you, if you touch your forehead, that's the frontal bone. But behind your brow, if you, you know, kind of touch your brow behind there, that's called the roof of the orbit inside the skull. But here's what most people aren't understanding. The roof 
of the orbit is extremely thin. In fact, these are called eggshell fractures because the uh, thickness of the frontal bone in that area is not much more than an eggshell. Okay, so it's one millimeter thick, maybe two millimeters thick. Um, so we have the comminuted means it's like shattered, which is exactly what you would expect with any fracture to the, um, uh, the superior orbits. They usually are comminuted fractures. Okay, so then you got bilateral partial periorbital ecchymoses, and that basically is the raccoon eyes effect. So uh, basically what happens is when you have a fracture in the front of the skull base, a little bit of blood seeps down into the tissues around the eyes. So again, everything so far is related. Um, subdural hematoma, right greater than left. Subdural hematoma, what does that mean? Okay, so you have the skull bone, and then on the inside of the skull bone is the lining of the brain, a layer called the dura mater. These are the meninges. And you describe hemorrhages based on where they are in relation to the dura. Sometimes they're outside of the dura. We call that epidural hemorrhage. And if they're under the dura, we call that subdural hemorrhage. Well, what happens is, with subdural hemorrhage, if you have a rip of these tiny little veins called bridging veins, the blood leaks out under the dura in between the dura and the brain. It's called subdural hematoma. Hematoma is a collection of blood. Um, and that is something that is uh, common. You can see that with anybody that gets an impact to the head, but it gets much more common when people get older. Remember, Saget was 65. And so what happens is, is those brains, uh, the, the theory is that the brain is shrinking a little bit as you age, and that is a fact, and it puts tension on these very delicate blood vessels. So an impact to the head rips those blood vessels very easily. So anyway, subarachnoid hemorrhage, remember how I talked about the dura is the layer um, that's you know the, kind of the thick meninges on the brain? Well, there is a a layer of arachnoid on the surface of the brain itself. It's very thin. It's called arachnoid because it's as thin as spider webs. And um, if there's a little bit of blood under that, then you call it a subarachnoid hemorrhage. It's actually uh, very common when you have a subdural from an impact um, to have a subarachnoid. In fact, it would be very unusual to not have that. So those go together. Now, finally, we have contra-coup contusions involving the bilateral frontal lobes and bilateral temporal lobes. Okay, so now that's, you know, a little bit intense, but uh, bear with me. Um, what's contra-coup mean? So that is a word that means when you get hit in the head, that is the coup, C-O-U-P, but sometimes because the brain sloshes inside the skull, it impacts the other side, opposite where the impact was, and that's called the contra-coup, okay? So in this case, if we have an impact to the back of the head, which is undisputable, like you, you cannot uh, interpret this any other way, even if you're one of these people who thinks he was hit in the back of the head with something, um, this is a contra-coup injury. There's, there's just no way around it. Uh, so what happens is the force is transmitted through the back of the head, causes the brain to slosh forward extremely quick, you know, extremely fast, and it actually cracks those orbital plates um, in the front of the skull, okay? And in doing so, you're injuring the brain in two, and that's why you have uh, bilateral frontal lobe, bilateral means on both sides, frontal lobe hematomas, and then you might say, well, okay, frontal lobe, what about the temporal lobes? Well, this is where 
actually doing autopsies <laughs> will make this very obvious that this is how it should be because uh, the base of the skull is a very undulating bone, and the temporal lobes sit in these little pockets, which you, they're basically called the middle cranial fossa. And if they move a couple millimeters, they're going to smash into bone, and then they hemorrhage. Okay, so uh, that's what happened here. The frontal lobes and the temporal lobes smash forward into the bone, and they fracture the bone in the frontal part. So then you might say, okay, well then how come they didn't fracture in the middle part? Well, that's because the bone thickness is very different in the middle cranial fossa versus the anterior cranial fossa, which is the same as the frontal, um, the orbital plates, the so-called eggshell that I talked about. Uh, so you have to be really, really familiar with anatomy. And in this case, I'm talking about like, you know, somebody like a, a skull-based neurosurgeon or a, a radiologist who reads uh, MRIs and CT scans and or a forensic pathologist. Um, anybody outside those fields uh, would have a little bit of trouble uh, interpreting this. So, okay, let's just address uh, the, the problem that's occurring right now, okay? You've got a couple of different doctors who are flabbergasted by these injuries. One is Sanjay Gupta, okay? And if you've watched CNN uh, in the last, like, hundred years, like, you know, as soon as World War II ended, San, uh, World War I ended, Sanjay Gupta burst into existence, and then he gives his medical opinion on everything, even no matter how far it is outside of his scope of practice. So why does Sanjay have a uh, any credibility in this case? Well, he, he does a little bit because he is technically a neurosurgeon, um, but unfortunately, Sanjay is not an expert in trauma, and I hope he hears this. I hope he hears this because um, his comments are so ignorant that um, they're produced, they've produced a lot of problems with this conspiracy theory. See, Sanjay doesn't know about trauma like forensic pathologists know about trauma, okay? And I'm sure that when he hears this, he's going to say, oh, well, you know, I did this in fellowship. I, I've done trauma cases before. But see, here's the difference, okay? Uh, Sanjay Gupta and neurosurgeons in general see the patients that are still alive. Because if they aren't, they come to me. I see the patients that die. They die at home with these injuries. And uh, so they're, they're flabbergasted. Another is a doctor, and I don't know who he is, but he's like from Buffalo or Cleveland or one of those places by the Great Lakes. And he said something to the effect of the, the injuries are consistent with a baseball bat or a car accident or falling from, you know, 50 feet or something. Um, and again, these are people who really don't know what they're talking about when it comes to this situation. First of all, these comments are irresponsible and stupid. Um, it's clearly that it's clear, sorry, that these two, neither one of them have ever testified in court because you would never say something so stupid uh, to indicate that there was a, a foul play situation unless you had absolute proof. So you're probably wondering, well, um, you know, what's my proof? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what, how, and this is with my knowledge of death investigations, why I am not worried about this case, okay? Uh, first of all, the injuries are well described in the field of forensics. Let's, let's just stop for a second, and I'm going to read to you, and I, I please don't get bored, but I'm going to read to you. 
Uh, I've got a textbook here. It's uh, the forensics textbook. It's called Dolanak. It's really the best forensics textbook, in my opinion. And it says, It is common for cerebral cortical contusions to occur at a, a location distant to the site of impact. That's what we're talking with, the back of the head, and then you've got contusions in the front of the brain, okay? And then it says, The most common scenario is that of a person falling backward impacting the back of his head on the ground. Although the impact is to the back of the head, cerebral contusions are often identified in the front of the brain, namely the frontal poles, temporal poles. Okay, that's what it says. I'm literally reading it word for word right out of the textbook, and that is exactly what Saget's, uh, or Saget, um, what Saget's uh, autopsy report said, okay? It says, it is theorized that when contra-coup contusions are formed, uh, that when the brain is rebounding inside of the head after an initial impact, okay? And um, continuing on, it says, this theory explains why occasional occurrence of fractures of the thin orbital plates in such a scenario is uh, is a contra coup fracture, uh, and so basically it is it is describing exactly what is in his autopsy report. Okay, so uh, Dolanak, in my opinion, is the best book in forensics, but the so-called Bible of forensics is a book called Spitz and Fisher, Medical Legal Investigation of Death. And if you've ever watched my TikToks, you know I sometimes pull that book off the shelf and read straight out of it to shut down some of these conspiracies. So now I want to read out of that book, and here we go. Hemorrhages in the soft tissues around the eyes are so-called spectacle hematomas, or raccoon eyes, often suggest fracture of the base of the skull. Sometimes orbital hemorrhages and raccoon eyes occur as a result of falling on the back of the head, causing rebounding of the frontal lobes of the brain and fractures of the roofs of the eye sockets. Okay, so again, we have described every injury so far that showed up in that autopsy report. Um, a well-known scenario in forensics. We, we do this. We see this. I've probably had five to six cases in the last year that's like this. So what I'm saying is the injuries themselves are easily explainable by what, uh, uh, by the mechanism, okay? He falls on the back of his head. He produces an abrasion, cracks his skull, the brain rebounds forward into the front of the skull, fracturing the orbital plates and then forming contusions of the front of the brain and the temporal lobes of the brain. And then the subarachnoid and subarachnoid, uh, the subdural and subarachnoid hemorrhage, that all that goes together. If you produce that kind of injury in the brain, you're going to get subarachnoid and subdural hemorrhage, okay? So there is nothing about this that uh, to me is suspicious. Uh, just from reading the injuries, okay? But now I want to address some of the conspiracy stuff. And and what I mean is, uh, a lot of people say, um, I don't care if you're telling me that this is possible. Um, I simply don't believe it, and he was murdered because it's it's strange or something. You know, they say something like that. So here's here's what I have to tell you about that, okay? I'm not going to be rude to these people. I'm going to tell you from knowing how death investigations occur. Um, this man, okay, he is in his hotel room. 
He then is, they do a well check because he doesn't answer his phone or whatever. They find him dead. Okay, so what's going to happen is you've got a celebrity. Even if they're not a celebrity, this is going to be carried out the same way. You're going to have instantly, you're going to have a CSI. You're going to have a uh, homicide detective check the place out. And you're going to have an entire investigation to rule out foul play. It is the number one goal of death investigation is to rule out foul play in situations like this. So how do they do that? Well, first of all, they're going to check to see, is the room locked or is it unlocked? Is the door bolted? Is there any other way for anybody to get in that room, like from a a window or like a patio or something like that? So they're going to rule that out. They're going to look for signs of struggle. You know, like if somebody was in the room and was going to bash his head in, um, you know, is, is there a sign that there was uh, some kind of scuffle or stuff knocked over, that sort of thing? They're going to look for that. Uh, they are going to look at security cam footage of the hallway, of the outside of the hotel at that time. They're going to look for suspicious vehicles, suspicious people. Um, they are going to uh, interview every single person who was even close to that place. They are going to interview in the in the rooms, the people who were in the rooms above, um, you know, to the side, below, uh, people in the hallway. Again, security cam footage is important. They are going to look at his phone. They're going to look at text messages, phone calls, that sort of thing. And what happens is, is the homicide detectives, the CSIs, they are going to come to a conclusion that nobody entered that room uh, uh, or that there was no um, evidence or signs of foul play. And if the room was busted open, if the window was smashed out, if there was a scuffle, if there was a security cam footage showing a suspicious figure, if there was uh, you know, something of that nature, then you will have a situation where it's foul play and it does not get signed out as an accident, okay? Uh, the other big piece of evidence is if Bob Saget was murdered, then why would the family not want it investigated? Think about it. Just think about that for a second. I just want you to sit and think. If your family member was murdered, why would you tell the medical examiner uh, and the police and every and the CSI and the prosecutors and every single person involved that you don't want to press charges. Let's cover it up. Um, we just want him to be a murdered person that doesn't get investigated. Okay. Uh, it just does not make a bit of sense. The pathology fits perfectly for this kind of thing. And I have seen this before, like I said, um, people, I had someone write me and she said that, um, she doesn't believe it because, uh, she was uh, she had a similar sort of thing happen, and she was able to call and get help or something like that. And you have to understand there are, I mean, not everybody reacts the same way. You know what I'm saying? So uh, one thing is the the fall itself could be so severe that it knocked him unconscious. He wakes up. He sort of stumbles over into bed. He tries to sleep it off. Maybe he tries to grab his phone and can't uh, because he's been, uh, you know, it's been such a hard hit to the head. Um, And then he dies. 
And I'm sorry, you know, all the conspiracy folks, I have seen this. I can't tell you how many times somebody falls down the stairs, somebody falls on ice in their driveway, and they don't instantly call because either they don't think they're that badly hurt or they are that badly hurt and they can't just, from a mental perspective, grab a phone and call because they are just absolutely gobsmacked, okay? So... um I, you know, I don't know how else I can, uh, you know, okay, I got it. I got it. I, the other thing that came up today is that people are saying, well, the records are being sealed. Um, so therefore it's suspicious. Okay. Now here's the thing. Um, I want you to put yourself in the situation of Saget's family. Okay. Let's suppose, uh, this unfortunate thing were to happen to your family and a bunch of prying internet conspiracy theorists want to just look at the scene photos and they want to open the investigation for no other reason that they have nothing better else, uh, you know, better to do. Um, would you allow those records to be unsealed? No. Um, I a hundred percent, even if nothing suspicious happened, I would not want people writing, uh, reading my private medical history or a family member's private medical history, uh, seeing seen photos of my loved one dead, uh, or even autopsy photos. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, not only that, but maybe there's something embarrassing there. Maybe there's a diagnosis that they didn't want the general public to know about. Maybe there um, was something in text messages that was, you know, suggestive or something like that. That would be embarrassing. I mean, you have to just for a moment put yourself in the position of these people uh, you know, Bob's family. And look, I'm not some kind of big Bob Saget defender. I don't even really like the guy, honestly. Uh, I mean, I guess he's a good comedian. I never really found him like so funny that I need to feel like I need to make a podcast to defend his honor. He's not a hero of mine. Nobody's a hero of mine. Uh, and, but what I, uh, what I, I think has been the biggest problem here is that Everybody thinks every death is a conspiracy, and it just isn't. Okay, can conspiracies happen? Yes, okay, we know that. Is every death of anybody who has ever been a D-list celebrity, you know, a, a murder and a cover-up by the government? No, it's not. The, very rarely could a conspiracy be um, carried out. So, um you know, I think that's where my frustration. And also the frustration is from doctors who don't know what they're talking about to give their opinions on this. Um, I actually do know what I'm talking about when it comes to trauma. I am board certified in forensic pathology. They should not be asking anybody their opinion unless they're a forensic pathologist. And I would say... Uh, probably 99 out of 100 forensic pathologists would say that this is a open and shut case because we see this. And the only one that wouldn't is a complete loon. You know what I mean? It's one of these guys that goes and does second autopsies and then deliberately gives a, an opposite opinion just to be contentious so he can get interviews on the news. Um, so, yeah, that's basically where I am on this. The other thing is um, people would say, uh, yes, but these injuries can be uh, incurred by getting hit by a baseball bat. And to that, I will say, yes, they can. Absolutely, they can. 
But this has been ruled out. It's How's it been ruled out? It's been ruled out because they did the investigation. Nobody was in the room. The room was locked. Nobody could get in or out. There's no sign of a struggle. There's, there's, there's security cam footage that doesn't show anybody going uh, in the room or out of the room. Um, there may even be, and I don't know this exact hotel, but the key card... Usually these things are electronic now, and they will show when somebody has activated that lock. So, the, you know, they concluded he's by himself and that he fell. And this is a common scenario in forensics. And, um, you know, that's all I can say is the investigation rules out the baseball bat uh, theory. And uh, uh, somebody asked me, how surprised would you be if this was foul play? And as a pathologist, I don't ever rule out anything. I would not say 100% surprised, but I would be more than 90% surprised if this came out to be foul play, especially with the family saying it's not foul play. You know, is there something else in the toxicology or is there something that maybe they're embarrassed about? Maybe so. But that it's not a conspiracy. It's maybe a family that's just wanting privacy. And I think that any one of us would want that. So uh, that's really all I have to say. I don't think I have anything else to do on this, uh, this topic because I know that most people simply aren't going to believe me, uh, even though I'm one of 500 experts on the entire continent that we are on right now um, that sees this sort of thing and absolutely knows that this is the way that these injuries happen. Um, but, you know, maybe some people who are on the fence will say, okay, well, I understand now that the investigation is a key element of this. Like I always say, the autopsy is not done in a vacuum. We do the autopsy as part of the evidence, and we, com- we put it in with um, everything else. We put it in with the investigation on the toxicology and the investigation on the, what the police have done. And, um, you know, again... I, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, um, and I, I the reason why I feel like I have to kind of shoot this one down is it's not because it's ridiculous, but it's because so many people don't understand that these injuries that he has are all part of one complex, one fall, and that's it. Um, there, there's nothing else. Now, the question that comes up will be, okay, if you if you believe he fell, then why did he fall? Well, that's a question uh, that I would say we may never know. I know he had an enlarged heart and some atherosclerosis. People who are in that age group very often can have a syncopal episode, uh, which means fainting, or due to an arrhythmia, which is due to these conditions, hypertensive cardiomyopathy, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Um and uh, and that's it. And so it's a free fall. It's not like a fall. Uh, I mean, to give you an example, I fell uh, when I was going down some icy stairs outside of my house, and I braced myself kind of midair. I was able to arch my back. I was able to tense my muscles. And as a result, I, I did not hit my head because I was able to move my head forward. This kind of fall usually occurs when somebody loses immediate consciousness, whether it's due to some kind of intoxication or some kind of sudden cardiac arrhythmia. Uh, It could even be a seizure, that sort of thing. So it's a free fall from his height to the floor uh, on the back of the head. And these injuries are completely consistent. Okay. So this is my input as a forensic pathologist. And um, 
That's all I can do is give you my expert opinion, and you can either choose to accept that or uh, reject it and believe, uh, you know, Barstool Sports or whoever's putting out videos saying that something was up. Um, but that's it. I realized this podcast wasn't very entertaining, and I wasn't very... Uh, funny or, (laughs) but I'm just, I'm exhausted by the amount of messages that I'm getting on this case. And so hopefully this will be my final word on it. And maybe next time we'll do something a little bit more fun. And uh, thanks for listening. If you stayed this long on the podcast, Uh, we'll try to get one out next week.